electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. the first company really that I run that I didn't build from the, from the ground up. And so coming in as a new CEO, you know, all the employees are wondering, who is this guy? And I think it helped give me some credibility with employees. He's talking about his guitar playing. Uh, Pandora, the music streaming service, has a culture that's heavily musical. So as a new CEO of the company, it helps that Roger Lynch not only plays guitar, but he actually still plays live gigs with a band. Roger Lynch, the CEO of Pandora, sat down with me above the floor of the New York Stock Exchange all just yesterday, before the opening bell. He's been in the job for less than a year, and he's got his work cut out for him. Spotify just went public and has grabbed a ton of attention. Meanwhile, many of the most powerful companies in tech are competing with him in the market, including a few names like uh, Apple, Amazon, and Google. So how does he plan to win? I'm John Fort from CNBC, and you're listening to the Fort Knox Podcast, Rich Ideas and Powerful People. I do this weekly, bringing you the highest achievers. We're going to learn how the very best climb to the top and pull out lessons along the way. If that sounds good to you, make this a habit and subscribe. Lynch started out a scientist, became an investment banker, and found his groove as an entrepreneur. He's the founding CEO of video streaming pioneer Sling TV. Here's Roger Lynch. I want to dive right into the new stuff that you guys are doing. Pandora, widely used as kind of a new form of streaming radio. You're building up new premium experiences, first of all, with Snapchat. What's that going to feel like for people? It's really um, a really innovative new service. So it enables people on Snap to share music. And the nice thing about it is neither party needs to be a subscriber to Pandora. Hmm. So anyone can use it and anyone can receive um, the music and play it. So they're within the Snapchat app the whole time, but if they choose to try to share a song, Pandora is the service that allows it. You can share it from Pandora. Okay. And then let's say you're on Snap. I could share it with you. You could then, it would come up on Snap. You could get a song card, click on it, and it'll take you into the Pandora app to play the song. Okay. And like I said, you don't need to be a subscriber. So a user, but not a subscriber necessarily. Yeah. Not necessarily a paying subscriber. Right. You have to have the app. Got it. Yeah. And also with AT&T, uh, as part of their unlimited plan, Pandora Premium is an option. What do you expect that to do for the business? Well, you know, AT&T is one of the biggest wireless services in the country, and they have a fantastic offer now where you can get Pandora Premium, which is a $10 value service, for free with the subscription with their unlimited data plan. So we think it's going to help really drive our premium, our premium subscription business. Are we seeing a new type of bundle emerge because more and more, uh, whether it is Comcast working with Netflix or AT&T or T-Mobile, I think started doing a lot of this mm -hmm. um, months, if not years ago, uh, bundling together premium services as a way to get people into the larger package. I mean, it, it seemed at first that the over-the-top and streaming services were trying to break apart bundles, but now they're <laughs> creating them again. Well, as you probably know, that's my former business, yes. uh, it's Link TV, and that's what we were doing, is breaking apart the big bundles. But really, the whole idea there was that 
people would reassemble their own bundles. So in the case of Sling TV, we saw a growth in Netflix, we saw a growth in digital antennas, really old-fashioned, over-the-air broadcast networks using an antenna, and Sling really fit like a puzzle between those. So people, our whole idea was people would create their own bundles rather than being forced to buy a big bundle. And I, see, I think you're seeing that in, you know, go into music and other things where people are creating bundles together with different services. So then is the power in having um, the stickiest billing relationship with the customer, uh, whether you're a wireless carrier or a cable or broadband provider or Amazon with Prime or uh, Apple with its iTunes relationships, if they've got that long-term billing relationship, are they best positioned to say, oh, either for a little bit more, include this, or if you upgrade to our unlimited plan for whatever, we'll include that and, and get folks like Pandora into those bundles? Sure, I mean, you know, anyone who has a large subscriber base that churns at a low rate has a you know, very valuable asset and is desirable for services like Pandora or others to bundle in with that for just that reason. So I mentioned Apple and Amazon as examples. They've already got their own music services competing with yours. Mm -hmm. As you get AT&T, buying Time Warner, trying to use content as a way to engage the consumer, do you expect these other companies that don't have those services to start knocking on your door more? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, in business, I always tell people, you know, when there's an action from a competitor, always look for what the logical reaction is. And so, you know, companies like Apple and Amazon moving into the space, that threatens other companies too. And you find partners who have aligned interests with you, and that creates the, you know, fertile ground for a partnership. So what's the uh, trajectory of an independent Pandora? You know, look at Pandora's market cap. Um, it's been rising, it's a good mm -hmm. thing, over $2 billion. <laughs> look at Spotify, it's, it's over $30 billion, uh, d despite the fact that the longer-term business model for a lot of this streaming stuff isn't particularly clear. What's going to allow uh, Pandora to remain independent and growing into the future? What I really like about the Pandora model is we have a three-tier model of service. So our largest is our ad-supported um, tier, and it's free to everyone. We have a $5 tier, and then we have a $10 premium tier. And so what we really try to do is serve the market and serve consumers where they want to be. We believe that most music certainly today is consumed with ad-supported. If you include Pandora and radio, we think that'll be the, you know, the way for a long time. Obviously, subscription's growing. Our premium uh, in subscription services are growing fast. They grew 63% last quarter. So we like the growth of that business, but we have a real competitive advantage in ad-supported, where actually the margins are even better than in subscription. Huh. So when you hear that LeBron James is a Pandora <laughs> free user, he's not so, do you kind of smack your forehead a little bit? Because he could afford to pay the 10 bucks, or are you just happy that he uses Pandora? Where, where does it shake out? Because I imagine, I mean, you want LeBron paying? I, you know, we, we love customers who are free customers too. <laughs> I think the LeBron story is perfect. It's a perfect example of what I try to explain a lot of times, which is, you know, people think, oh, well, you know, people who only use free services don't have money to pay for services. That's not how consumers behave. There are consumers who believe they should pay for things and will, and there are consumers who believe that something should be free and they will not pay. LeBron's a great example. Obviously, he can afford $10 a month to pay for premium uh, Pandora, but he chooses not to. And many, many consumers who could pay for a service like, a premium service like Pandora, choose to take the free version. And those are valuable consumers because advertisers like to reach them. 
I've been looking for free Nikes, but I can't seem to find <laughs> any. I don't, I don't know. I want to get into your, uh, into your story mm -hmm. a bit. Um, grew up in Baltimore area, mm -hmm. I believe. Uh, and you were in investment banking before you became an executive and an entrepreneur. What led you to want to lead an organization, lead a company after your time in business? You know, I, I actually, even before business, I started in science. So I was a, I did my degree in physics and was a research researcher before I went to business school. And, uh, you know, business school really opened my eyes to different things that we could, I could do. Um, Why'd did, you go to business school? Why? Yeah. Um, I, you know, when I was a, when I was a uh, researcher, I was working in the defense industry, and the job that I had was was doing, um, you know, research for missile guidance systems. And I would literally go into a lab in the basement because they you weren't allowed to work in labs where there are windows because windows, you know, enemy could bounce lasers off and hear what you're saying in it. And so it was very secure through two double locked doors, and I would work in this lab on my own. And uh, it was, you know, fascinating work, but it was pretty lonely work. And so I always thought that uh, I always thought that I'd end up in business. And so I thought business school was the right route to it, and got to business school, as you mentioned, became an investment banker because I had a, back, a technology background. Uh, pretty quickly, I uh, started working in the technology group within Morgan Stanley out in Silicon Valley, and this was the mid to late '90s and the heyday of, uh, of the growth of the technology industry. I guess that explains why you never went to go work for Apple in engineering, if you. Right. Didn't, didn't like the secrecy <laughs> aspect. So um, the road, though, to uh, Sling. Talk about how uh, you ended up getting in so early on this trend around over the top, around streaming, and, and the way so many people are getting content today. So, I, you know, I've always been intrigued and fascinated by the intersection of technology and media. So the first company that I ran after I left investment banking was a company called Cello Broadband over in Europe. And this was the beginning of broadband rollout in Europe. This was 1999. And we launched broadband in a dozen countries around Europe. But one of the things that we did is we actually did a deal with the NFL in 1999 to stream live NFL games across Europe. So very, very early in that. But I, I was really intrigued about what broadband could do um, and how it could change the media industry. And so after that, I ran an IPTV company. Uh, which is sort of an earlier generation of what I launched at Sling TV, moved back to the U.S., and really felt like there was an opportunity to build a streaming TV service that didn't rely on owning the underlying network, which, you know, back then, this was 2009, we started on that journey, um, was not so obvious. And uh, uh, it was a really, really fun thing to do, and what's, to change an industry. What's the legacy, you think, of Sling TV? Given where we are now with, you know, now the cable boxes are doing on-demand and trying to do streaming, and there's Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Chromecast, Roku, all these different devices trying to provide programming um, uh, just over a broadband connection. I think the legacy of Sling TV is that it changed an industry. You know, prior to Sling TV, you know, if you wanted to watch live cable television, it was, you had your cable company or your satellite company and they really had a stranglehold over it. And the packages that they sold were largely the same. It's why the average household in the US is spending about $100 a month on pay TV. And we came out with Sling TV at $20 when we launched it and said, there's a whole new way to enjoy live TV that doesn't rely on a cable box, that doesn't rely on anything. You could watch it on your phone, your tablet, your Roku, whatever you want to. 
Now, bringing it back to music, to me, the model doesn't feel fully baked yet. It, it doesn't feel like we've, we've got um, exactly the kinds of services that are going to completely pull the entire mainstream into the streaming world. Is there a change that you think, a problem that needs solving with these streaming platforms, Pandora included, that's gonna take them to another level? You know, still, radio in the U.S. is bigger than streaming. Whether you look at the revenue from advertising, which is about $15 billion a year, or just the number of listeners. And so radio is, you know, an old technology, broadcast. Why, why is that? I mean, all, smartphones are deeply penetrated. Yeah. People could stream yeah. radio-like experiences, and they do, but more people could if they wanted to. Is it the DJs? Is it the personalities? Is I, it I think it's a number of factors. What? I think it's... It's convenience is the most significant factor. Radio is really easy. Most radio is consumed in a car. If you think about it, you get in your car, you're driving, you press the on button on your radio, it's as simple as that. You have your presets of your stations. So what I always tell our team at, at Pandora is, we have to make Pandora as easy to use in the automobile as pressing the on button of your FM radio. And the other thing we need to do is expand our content offer because even though the majority of radio listening is music, there's still about 28% of listening that is non-music. And if you think of that... podcast? Yes. I know a good one. Yeah, I know a good one too. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you might have a good podcast. <laughs> so ahead, we're expanding in, in, in podcasts, but you, know, you can think about podcasts as really containers for other content, whether it's news or sports or uh, you know, other information. So you know, at Pandora, we're building... Um, a what we call the podcast genome, which is a capability to present in a highly personalized way, like we do for music, spoken word content that can be intermingled with your music. And we think that's one of the steps in addition to making Pandora as easy to use as pressing the on button on your FM radio that will really help us uh, penetrate radio listening in the automobile, which is the dominant place where people listen to radio. Can personalization go too far? Because it strikes me that one of the things about radio that I remember particularly from growing up is having this shared experience across people in a city or a region, listening right. to a countdown, knowing who a DJ is, uh, e even calling in and trying to win a prize. Uh, that was something that was familiar to the culture and it was something that everybody was experiencing at once. Yeah. Is there still a place for that? Is there a way to do it in streaming um, that, that you think will resonate and not be a throwback? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on one of the core tenets of music. Music is very social. Um, and people experience it both individually, maybe with your headphones on when you're jogging or whatever, but also with friends in a social environment. And so there are different use cases for it. And part of, I think, being really good at personalization is understanding the context in which you want to consume the music. And so we, we really focus on, at Pandora, being contextually aware. So as an example, um, with our new premium service that we launched, we have um, a family plan. And in the family plan, we have personalized playlists. Great. We also have a family personalized playlist, which means if you're in the automobile with your kids and you want to, you're talking with your wife and your kids about what to put on, it's really simple. Put on the family plan playlist. It's a personalized playlist that looks at the listening habits of everyone in the family, creates a playlist for that family that is still personalized because it's based on the listening habits, but it's also based on everyone in the family. So that's an example of how you can use personalization to create 
an experience that is personalized but still social for many people. Will it filter out the Wu-Tang Clan recognizing yes. that my seven and 10 year old might be in the car? Unfortunately, because I'm a Wu-Tang fan, <laughs> uh, it, it will do that. It'll, what it will do is it'll look at whatever the, uh, the parental controls are uh, for the youngest person and it'll set that as low. Default to the, yeah. nice, I like that. You're a musician. I am. As a matter of fact, you're gonna play a gig uh, not long from now. Yeah, in tonight. <laughs> is that important to what you do? I think it is because um, you know Pandora is Pandora is a company that has heart like no other company I've ever worked for, and in a number of ways, everything from you know diversity and inclusion, but also music. If you're not a music person at Pandora, you may not feel that comfortable there because it's filled with musicians, and I mean phenomenally good musicians. And we have jam fest once a quarter where you know, employees, including me, get up on stage. And play, and I think you know, for for a company like that, it uh, it helps give me some credibility, especially as this is the first company really that I run that I didn't build from the from the ground up. And so coming in as a new CEO, you know, all the employees are wondering who is this guy, and I think it helped give me some credibility with employees. What do you play? I play guitar. What kind of guitar? Oh, you know, I have. Uh, you have a few. I have oh, a few. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the uh, the guitars I'll be playing tonight is uh, a PRS. Custom 24, and a, I just bought a new Fender Stratocaster. They have this American Elite uh, line that uh, is really, really nice. I did a tour of the Fender factory about a month ago and picked one up, so I'll be using that tonight too. Who's gonna save the guitar manufacturers? You know, we need some more guitar heroes. I mean, that's the biggest issue, is you think about with uh, you know the growth of hip hop and other genres like that, there aren't guitar heroes in hip hop bands, and so, You've seen, you know, over the last several years, a decline in that industry, but it's starting to come back. Even Gibson, which is having, you know, financial troubles, their financial troubles are less related to guitar sales. I think their guitar sales were up 10% last year. And so it's starting to come back. And then, you know, artists like Taylor Swift is driving sales of acoustic guitars, especially with young women. And so there's a bit of a resurgence coming back. Nice. Uh to what extent is live music and live performance going to be uh, either a driver or an important piece of Pandora's vision going forward? Well, you know, it's so important to the industry and to artists. And, you know, really, if you think about 20 years ago, you know, artists would tour to support the sale of their albums or CDs, and now it's sort of flipped. You release music to support your tour because there's so much money that's made by artists in, in, uh, in touring. At least relative to what they can make in recorded music. Yeah, yeah. Relative, yeah which, yeah. you know, fortunately for them, you know, streaming now is growing the music industry again. For, you know, after 15, 18 years of declines, uh, the industry is, uh, recorded music industry is growing again because of streaming. But I do think there is a strong intersection between streaming and live music. And what I mean by that is it really comes down to data. Here's an example. We have, uh, so towards the end of last year, Blake Shelton came out with a new album, Texoma Shore. And we did a launch party, Pandora did a launch party in Nashville with Blake. And we invited 650 Pandora listeners who are fans of uh, Blake Shelton. But I don't mean just fans, I mean super fans. So Blake goes on stage, his album was just released that day. He starts singing the songs and the audience is singing the words, the songs that were just released that day. He walked off stage and said, how do you find these people? It's like, that's the power of the data and the personalization. We know who your super fans are and we can bring them to a venue like this. So they already know the words of your songs that you just released today. Wow. Um, that is powerful and I think it'll be really fascinating to continue to follow Pandora 
and see against these titans in the industry um, the headway that you can make. Do you need to do more partnerships, and we'll end on this, with the likes of AT&T for distribution? Is that, is that a, a big and important part of what it's going to take uh, to take on these giants? You know, when, when I, I talk to the Pandora employees once a month, and there's a slide I put up there that talks about our priorities, I'm sure they get tired of seeing this slide, but I'm going to keep putting it up every month. And one of the pillars of it is partnerships. Because in my view, it's the smartest way to build your business. You get the best customers through partners and the lowest cost of acquiring them. And so it will continue to be a big strategy. And this is really what we've announced just in the last four to six weeks with the deals that you mentioned earlier. It's just the beginning of what you'll see of many more partnerships. All right. Roger, thanks. Appreciate you coming by. Good luck tonight. Thank you, John. My thanks again to Roger Lynch. I am John Fort from CNBC, and this has been Fort Knox, rich ideas and powerful people. Subscribe wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Check out the reviews on iTunes. Leave me a note. Also, subscribe to the Fort Knox channel on YouTube, F-O-R-T-T-K-N-O-X.com slash YouTube. As a matter of fact, you can go to YouTube now and see video of this conversation. Follow me, John Ford, on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter, and you'll also see videos from more of these interviews. You can say hi to me live, usually Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. There I tackle some of the most interesting business and economic issues with a little help from my friends at CNBC and from you. Just go to YouTube and search for Fort Knox or go to LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter and search for John Fort and you know what to do from there. Meanwhile, share this. Tell a friend. Drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, FortKnox.com, LinkedIn, all those places. As always, thank you for lending an ear. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.